0: Richie, do the intro.
1: <laughs> Welcome to our third podcast that we've recorded in a row today. This one is Loki, and he's going to talk about Demon Souls translations. Yay! Is that it? Yay! Okay. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and we just finished talking about the Valley of Defilement <laughs> with uh, Cal, so this will fit in well.
2: Wonderful. I can even talk a bit about the Valley. So, okay, cool. Yeah, it all works out. So I guess we should start with like a little backstory, I suppose, on how I ended up coming on for this one. Um, I was listening to your podcast you guys did for Demon Souls, like I think it was like the story summary, as you do. You just like have it playing in the background. And Richard had me- well, there's a few. There was a few things that stuck out to me, but Richard had said one thing that that sort of lit the fire in my soul. Okay. Ooh. It was about um, Valorfax. And, like, he was talking about, sort of, because, obviously, Souls has the wonderful um, uh, environmental detail and everything. He was talking about using Valor Facts as an example. And I was like, wait, wait, I remember this being, my, I remember having notes on this. And then I, I, I opened up my thing, and I, ha- I hadn't been looking strictly at my Demon, no- uh, Demon Souls notes as a whole in a while, and then when i went back i was like oh boy (laughs) and i felt i felt a fire lit in me that would probably make sullivan blush (laughs) (laughs) and then immediately felt like i had to talk about it so i did and now i'm here (laughs) welcome (laughs) (laughs) just a blade (laughs) i'm on fire right now actually
0: this loki's on fire.
2: If you if you listen closely, you might be able to hear the crackling. Of... <laughs> well, someone did message
1: us and say that you reminded them of like the cadence of a preacher.
2: <laughs> 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 I want to make a joke about that, but I just don't I can only think of the preacher from Skyrim, so <laughs>
0: Who's the preacher from Skyrim?
2: Uh, what was he? He was like, uh, Skyrim belongs to the Nords! <laughs> <laughs> Something like that.
0: Oh, That's how you should do every podcast.
2: <laughs> so if I recall correctly, Richard, you were mentioning that the idea was that Valerfax, sort of, he came out of the tear, told everyone about it, then he went back in, he got captured by, not Mildred, is her name Mildred? Meralda. So, Meralda then executes him, and we behind her we see the corpse that is, is supposedly Valerfax. Yeah, because
1: you find a corpse behind her that's got Valerfax's stuff on it. Yeah. And then Bjorn says something like, Valerfax was lost? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So like it's 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 set it's easy to set that way. And I recall when I was doing when I first was making those notes that there was a lot of people that were talking about like inconsistencies and stuff and a, and a bunch of other things about the Valorfax lore. So I'm like, okay, let me see if I can clear this up. And what I found when I was doing um, notes related to Valorfax was that um, he's definitely not the corpse because in the open it's actually pointed out in uh, it's there's like three major three main Actually, I think it's two main references to Valor Facts as far as, um, his his state of being. First is, of course, the opening, where it mentions that he leaves the tear, he comes out, and he tells people. And it also mentions that he's drunk on souls in the Japanese version of the opening. Now, this can be figurative, so, like, it could be, like, he's fixated on, uh, he was very fixated on souls, like, he's sort of, like, he's got this obsession toward it. It's not like he literally, like, I don't know, like, drank, like, a uh, a soul juice and was like... (laughs) But, um... The idea would be then that, and this is, I think the way the localization tried to, to word it was something like he spoke of the enticing power of souls, so I think they were trying to get that across. Right. But the idea was basically like, he had this rude fixation when he mentions it, oh, the, it's like, ah, there's, there's demons, and oh yeah, there's this, these souls, and they're stockpiling them, and, and presumably he's telling us what the narrator is telling us, Um. And then that sort of goes on. And then, when, of course, we learn that Bjor, then Yurt, and a bunch of others are sort of in order, kind of like over the years, going through this tear. And, and we know how that goes. But it's never mentioned what, what happened to Valor Facts afterwards, strictly. But then we're told... The reason why he can't be the corpse, though, is... Well, two reasons. But the first is that because when you talk to Ostrava, and Ostrava mentions the whole thing in the localization about him being lost... The actual wording is that he died with the legend. So, what we're being told is basically ValorFax left through the tear, he told everyone what happened, and then he died. (laughs) Like, it's kind of like. Oh, right. He died with the story. So, it seems like he left already, maybe let's say he was already mortally wounded or something when he left already. And then he just was managed to tell us in sort of his dying breaths, everything that was relevant. And it was like, okay, go have a plot with this and then died. So he didn't ever actually go back or anything like that. So it's already known what happened to Valorfax. The question, of course, is, well, what the fuck happened with Boletaria? So then you have something like, I think Bjor's the first one mentioned in the list of people that go. And, well, that makes sense. It's kind of his partner. He left his- it's like he left his partner with the king- Then his partner comes out saying all these crazy shit that's happening, and Bjor's like, well, what the hell happened? And his partner dies, and he kind of goes in the tear to figure out the details for himself. Um... And then another thing that's noted is that the, the, the armor that the body behind Meralda has, um, that armor only mentions that Bjor has worn it recently. So, like, he's recently taken it, and that's normally a, a, a armor for the royal family. So the corpse is probably related to the royalty, but it's not necessarily Valorfax's equipment.
1: Yeah, that, um, I think that came out of the way they talked about as the twin things. So it makes it sound like there's, there's two guys that wear the same stuff.
2: Yeah, so I if think
1: you they're called the twin
2: blades, I think, in the Japanese yeah. version, but yeah, the yeah. same idea that you're talking about. So yeah, the idea so- would be like, maybe they'd wear the same thing, and I don't know, maybe they did, maybe yeah. they didn't. That was but the like- source
1: of the theory that that's Valifax's stuff, Yeah, because it's not Bior since he's still alive
2: yeah yeah but the idea seems to be that Bjorn just like took it up recently who knows where right. he found it and then um valor Facts ended up everyone seems to know that Valorfax has died so stuff like that it's kind of like okay so th- that's a huge that's a huge question in demon souls that can be answered definitively just from the text straight up you don't have to overthink it or anything so that's kind of the stuff that pisses me off about souls localizations a lot of the time because that type because those are the type of misunderstandings that we can avoid if people do their job (laughs) uh but we've talked about that before um and then like another example is on the topic of ostrava because ostrava himself is someone who who he's well he was one of the first translation posts i did for demon souls and we could probably link my posts there below but um the general idea was that Ostrava, there's this big talk you another thing you had kind of mentioned, Richard, was like everything was like, um, all the areas we visit are like supposed to be part of Boletaria, but they have their own kings and queens or something to that extent. And one of the points that I, I'd like to make is that it seems like they're all their own countries. They just happen to be neighboring right. Boletaria. And one of the reasons I want to point that out is because Ostrava comes from where, what is called in localization, the, like the Southern Boletaria.. Um, And the idea was he came back, and he, like, went, he, 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 according to him, he visited all these great places, um, and that they worshipped, like, Boletaria was a paradise on earth to these places he went, and he's like, okay, what could have happened? Well, the, the, the Japanese, the original script was a little more, little, just a little tiny different, one, it isn't that he went to southern Boletaria; he went to regions south of Boletaria, so oh, he left okay. Boletaria he was in the southern areas, and these southern regions were far more technologically advanced than well everywhere else, basically so he's all, he was not part of Boletaria, and that wasn't and that wasn't like under Boletaria's control or whatever so then and that's why it's not in the fog, and he had to enter another way anyway. Um, then once, uh, besides that, then there's the idea that, that sort of, um, these southern regions thought Boletari was so great. And the actual thing is in the script, he talks about how, um, he, he's the one who thinks, oh, Boletari is this wonderful, it's got this warmness to them, it's very, you know, pretty modest, but it's got these powerful warriors, so the idea is basically it's a small communal type of country that still has a lot of military might and he talks about how he's been to really amazing places cuz these are so technologically advanced these are like the progressive amazing nations that you you could you could never have imagined they're like going through a golden age or whatever but he still thinks he's the one who thinks that Boletaria is so great he's like no you know what my homeland it's still better it's just got this 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 homeliness to it that that you know i just i can't like any other country better than it so it's not a so it, it's sort of to kind of put into perspective. It's all going through from his pers- through his right. head, yeah. And that's why that's why the it's important that these countries are so advanced because it's kind of showing. It's like hey, these people they got telescopes, man. <laughs> so it, it's it's supposed to have this mind blowing um potential, but like Ostrava still thinks nope, my country's better. Sorry, and it's why it's such a big deal to him that that um that it's like everything's gone to shit. You have entire characters' lores who get screwed up because of stuff like yeah. this, and it's it's re- it's really obno- obnoxious. Um, another one would be Freck, and this is this is a funny one because with Freck, it's such a small thing, but it completely changes your outlook on his character. So Freck is generally like he's sort of the proto Logan, so far as he's the man who sort of he's all into knowledge and, and studying magic and trying to collect all the data for himself, uh, and then over the course of, he even provides sort of the quote unquote I guess bad ending where it's like hey you know what let's not seal the the beast that's going to destroy the world let's you know keep it take all the power we can and then you know we can like use that power and he's totally going to just study it and not do anything bad with it he promises um he not that promises. we'll know because <laughs> just don't worry <clears throat> <laughs> Don't worry. Nothing is if Seath has taught us anything, nothing bad happens from wanting to study things. <laughs> so then basically we have this wonderful little character who's who's interesting in and of himself, but there's one line, one line, let me see if I can find the if it's it's down with freck on his his actual his outfit he wears. Let me see if I can find that. Uh here we go. So here, so it was like, it says Sage Freck the Visionary's Equipment. A plane-traveling suit which makes long marches possible. However, it is the travel wear of a dirty sage. This shows Sage Freck's origins quite well. So, this is kind of a weird phrase in the localization. Because it's like, okay, so it's the travel wear of a dirty sage. So, like, is it telling us that he comes from dirt poor? And that's why it's his origin? Like, like what is it supposed to mean by showing his origins and everything? It's like, he's a sage, he wears sage clothes Okay, so what? Well, the thing was there was actually someone made a typo <laughs> and, uh, it, it's kind of a it, you know, it's just a tiny typo. It's nothing too major it the in the original it's it's simple travel clothes that make long expositions possible, but in fact, it's the corrupted or dirty there's many ways you can put that travel clothes of a saint so for for I think I've mentioned it before on previous podcasts, but for those who don't know. When I say saint, and generally when, when souls games say saint, they mean a holy person, so someone who's in some ways affiliated with the divine.
1: Yeah, we, we literally just talked to uh yeah. someone about that about the use of the word saint in souls. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Trippy. Yeah, and it, it's 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 very loose, so you can't think of it like, oh, is there like uh it's not like think of it like I don't know, like lowercase saint, not uppercase yeah. saint necessarily. Yeah, we were talking
1: about it with reference to Astraya, but like yeah. You can't view Australia as a saint in the way that we say saint in referring to Catholics. It's basically just—it's
2: basically like in the same way that they use the word cleric or clergyman a lot in souls. It's kind of the same idea. It's just a generic word for someone who's like a who's related in some way to whatever holy institutions exist. Um. So basically, what we're being told is okay. So the reason why these clothes say a lot um, about Freck is that Freck is wearing the clothes of a holy man, meaning he was once a, a holy man like Saint Urbane. Um, what happened, though, was those clothes have been dirtied over time as he's traveled and things like that. And the idea is that, much like how the clothes have dirtied, Freck's faith has been dirtied, and he sort of has become this non-believing, uh... Uh, sort of Wiseman type of character instead. So it's really important, because that completely recontextualizes his backstory and what he's been through. And it's literally just that, you know, just a tiny little typo. And, like, this this suddenly puts a lot of what he says and how he thinks, because for him, the way he sees... Obviously, God and other things in that, and he he's sort of like you know there the, the you know there's only the power and the knowledge, and there's not really much to gain from the faith aspects you, so whatever's happened in his backstory is clearly clearly hurt him in his ability to have any faith in anything, and so he sort yeah. of becomes fully committed instead to just the reason and the knowledge that he's had um so that that's 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 something that really makes him a, a, a that he really elevates his character even further and then um, I've done various posts on a few different topics, so I guess we can go through whichever y- you guys wanna... We can start with Valley of Defilement, we can do like, um, Shrine of Storms, like whatever you guys think.
1: We'll do Valley of Defilement, because we just recorded for an hour about Valley of Defilement with someone else. So I okay. guess, like, yeah. they they can make, uh, make a pair.
2: Okay, yeah. perfect. Alright, so we'll start with that one. The Valley is probably, like, Valley did a poll on, like, on what on what people would want and of course i think valley won like in a landslide yeah uh so that's that you can tell people love that place or love to hate it (laughs) so the thing with the valley is that there's actually quite a few details about specifically in relation to astraya that don't get cleared up and we'll talk about the vinlands too since it's kind of all related but um for for astraya herself uh You've met. We've already talked about the saint aspect, so I don't need to go into into that at all. But there's this interesting thing about her with um what she's doing. So like one of the things you brought up, Richard, in the story summary podcast was the idea was that you know she's kind of being a good person, like she wants like to help everyone, but you know she's a demon, so you kind of have to kill her. And like, well, to elaborate on that, the reason why y- y- we kind of need to kill her. <laughs> is just because she's she's kind of a little loony (laughs) um just a little bit cause her method cause okay so let's take what let's go through what like her character like her motivation is is essentially that she she she's a blue blood she's kind of lived this luxurious wonderful life her entire thing like she's always had the easy route let's say she's never had to deal with much suffering or anything from her background and she's sort of been destined from like ever since she found one of god's revelations to kind of be this this sort of this Like, holy, like, most famous holy person. So she's kind of never had to deal with suffering in the same way that people of the valley did, because, you know, they've had their entire life living as sort of wanderer, nomadic type of people who've sort of been the dregs of society that were abandoned or cast out. Um, And then. She sort of sees this, and it's kind of like a f- she's. It's like a culture shock to her, like like to the maximum degree, because she's like, "Holy shit, people can suffer!" <laughs> like, how could this be possible? Not in my, not in my Christian video game. <laughs> so she comes into uh, this sort of realization that, "Holy shit." What am I, like? If people can suffer like this, like what is God doing? How could God be allowing this? And so, so, her answer has to be, of course, that God must be evil because how could God allow suffering in the world? And it's of course the common, a common the common theological question. So then, her answer to that is then, okay, let me just make a contract with fucking Satan. That that'll solve everything, because that <sighs> that that could never go wrong. Um, and she decides she'll become an arch demon and then, then she'll be able to finally fix them. So your, the media question, of course, would be, well, how does she think becoming a demon is going to help everyone? And why is she got this entire following? Well, the answer is, is because in one of the archstones, the, I think it's the last one. Let me just double check. So in the English version for the dirty, the demon, the dirty colossus archstone, it's the poor journey to this rotten place to offer Uh, their souls so that they might be freed from their suffering so that's a little bit vague but it's a little bit more clear in the japanese version where it's very says very explicitly the needy men that willingly offer their souls there are freed from thoughts that bring pain so what's so as we know in in unlike in dark souls which takes the traditional if you have a soul you're alive if you don't have a soul you're there's nothing there um uh, Demon Souls takes a little bit more interesting approach in that souls are the source of thought and consciousness and sort of your ability to think and reason. So, when we take away people's souls in, in Demon Souls, we're not killing them so much... Well, we do kill them when we want to take yeah. the souls, but generally, when we talk about stuff like the soul-starved, the idea is that unlike, say, hollows, the soul-starved are alive even without any souls whatsoever, but they, they lose their ability to think. And what Astraea is doing is essentially saying, okay, I've just made a... Co- I now have this power from an, from this this giant demonic beast, and it tells me that it needs souls. So you bring me souls, and in exchange for that, I will take your soul as well, so that way you don't have to ever have the ability to have consciousness, and you're essentially lobotomized. You don't have to feel, you don't have to think, you can't suffer, you're not able to really be have any sort of awareness.
1: The intro says, like, Man was granted a soul and with it clarity. And they never really expand on that, but the way you've you've explained it there, that does fill in what exactly what that means.
0: Yeah, and I was wondering how exactly she was, like, helping people in the valley, what exactly she was doing, and that's cool.
2: So what is giving us is a very seductive idea. She's saying, I can promise that I can relieve you of your suffering, and it's like, oh, oh, I don't have to suffer? No more pain in this life? That is so awesome! I will totally- I'm with her! So- suddenly it's a, everyone's vote for Estraya, and you have the 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 merchant lady who's a little pissy about that. Um.
0: Richard has a theory as to why she's a little pissy about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, she says, like, um, she calls herself a peddler, and she talks about needing, like, buy something so I can support my child. Yeah. We were thinking like, well, is Estraya that bad, or is she just, like, um, is she just basically mad that business dried up?
2: yeah <laughs> well it seems like it's a little bit of both because she sort of describes she sort of has this this talk where she talks about how astraya looks down on her or gives her these like w- these looks yeah haughty looks yeah and then she also talks about how she's not happy because astraya uh what's the word uh astraya uh, yeah like you said took away her business it's like i was the prettiest one and then she came yeah. around and now everyone loves now everyone just pays attention to her so like there's kind of just a little bit of a grudge there just a little um but it sort of ties into the, but sort of this idea that sort of there's this sort of this this scathing, this ter- these withering yeah. looks that she imagines. It sort ties into this idea that again she's she, she sort of has this. Obviously there's this. Compa- it's the idea that okay, how can so like Demon Souls has this theme of sort of examining malice as they call it, and sort of there's there's these various forms of malice and and the way they do and the way they express themselves, and well the way that. Australia, the whole value of defilement seems to do is how you know there can't be malice and compassion is sort of the question so how can anything go wrong because i'm so compassionate about it? i care that's sort of the the underlying theme yeah. of it it's like i care how can that be so wrong and well the answer is well it doesn't really matter how much you care it matters how much are you actually being helpful or 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 better or do or improving to to others but Australia lives has lived in sort of this this sort of puritan world where there is no there was no hardship or suffering or anything that could not go her way so sort of like the it's sort of the rea conundrum and sort of you have this naivete um from this detachment that's being played on and when she finally is actually forced to confront the world's suffering in a very raw form it's it's too much for her to really handle because she can't really print a process well what what like my this this so goes against so against my reality and let's, for the sake of, uh, for the sake of simplifying, let's equate God with reality here. If reality is this awful thing, you just sort of want to cast it off and reject it. It's like, oh, to hell with reality! It's this terrible thing of suffering. I, I know better than, re- than, than the world that it is. I know what's right and what's doing so. And well, that that many would say, well, that's very noble. But Demon Soul seems to also be saying, well, that's very dangerous as well because you suddenly mm. become, become sort of in your compassion you become captured by your own hubris that you know better than god or better than than the realities of the world and so instead of trying to accept and work with that reality you sort of reject it outright and sort of try to cast away and saying oh i can't oh i i know i know better than this on how it should be um and, sudden, and, and and that's very, a that's very seductive reasoning, and obviously that's why so many in the valley flocked her, because, hey, what could be so wrong with wanting to get rid of your suffering? Well, you're also going to never be able to enjoy happiness, you're never going to be able to enjoy love, you're, you're not going to be able to en- to hmm. enjoy anything.
0: I don't think there was much happiness in the valley, though.
2: That's true, but the idea I think would be that you could probably maybe get yourself out or be able to. And again, it's not saying that it's not a difficult situation or question. But I think one of the one of the the interesting aspects that that Estraya brings up is sort of she comes up with an answer, but it's kind of a a terrible answer in and of itself. And that sort, it's like sort of that's It's like okay, you you care a lot and you're really sympathetic in what you're trying to do, but is that the right way to go about it? And, well, the answer seems to be no. Yeah. Generally lobotomizing people, I'm not sure if that's going to you, win you many points. Well, with- listen,
0: if I were <laughs> living in the Valley of Defilement, I'd lobotomize myself, bro.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. You, 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 and a bu- you and a bunch of other people that, that, that serve her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so you mentioned that Astri is the equivalent of Rhea. In some ways, yes, you can. Yeah. But then earlier we mentioned that. Uh, oh, what's his name, Richie? I I, don't, I can't pronounce his name. You remember it? No, the guy from Demon Souls, her boyfriend.
2: Oh, Garl. uh Garl Vinland.
0: Yeah, and Garl Vinland is the equivalent of Leroy. So does it mean Leah and Leroy were dating in Dark Souls One?
2: I'm sure. In some, I'm sure, because we all know time is convoluted. <laughs> I'm sure in some alternate dimensional universe fanfic somewhere, <laughs> Leroy comes upon Rhea while she's in there instead of the player, and they, they hit it off just fine. Wait a
0: minute, yeah, because they both go to the catacombs, right?
2: And they're, and they're, and they're wed, and Nito weds them in, yes! in his tomb, and they live happily ever after.
1: We think Leroy is, is dating Nito because Leroy defends Nito, like Garl
2: defends yeah, Australia. Yeah,
0: yeah, but looks like there is a twist.
2: <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> Nito m- marries them all. You've been cheating on me this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to
0: be in your manuscript?
2: Uh, so, the, the soap opera the soap opera that you yeah. never knew about
0: oh my god it's like another Dr. Phillips episode
2: <laughs> oh god <laughs> Nito, Leroy, and Rhea. <laughs> just have like Nito in there being like I work so hard I kill 10,000 people a day just to bring food on the table <laughs> and what does he do? he goes and finds a church lady <laughs> He goes and tries to marry his sister. He asks me to be the priest. Oh my God. How cruel can you be? Uh I like Leroy's just silent through the whole thing. Gosh, this is the stuff writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> So what were we talking about? We were supposed to be talking about Australia in the Valley, but we decided it was more interesting to go Dr. Phil on on the wonderful <laughs> relationships in dark souls. And it was. <laughs> this was a demon souls podcast. <laughs> so Uh, since you mentioned, though, Garl Vinland, though, Sin, that's a good- that's a good segue to talk about, because- Yes!
0: So, my whole thing had a point, yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We we were going somewhere. So- so Garl Vinland is- is- is kind of a weird- like, it's not even so much Garl Vinland so much as the Vinlands in general, and I had to rant on Twitter about this one after doing the poll, because this was- it was- this was a travesty from the fire that was lit in my soul that I had to (laughs) respond to, uh, So, the Vinland's are a weird thing in that, in the localization, they're talked about as both a family and, like, as a country. I think sometimes they're talked about as a country. They're
1: talked about as though it's a place. Yeah.
2: It's never really consistent. And that's, well, and part of me says I can understand why the localization is confused, because it's kind of vague in in some areas. Because, okay, so let me put it this way. Uh. What, like, let's take, like, just, let me see if I can find one good example. So the localization go- for Garl Vinland's helmet it goes a dark silver helmet from Vinland. The impressive parietal design I don't know how to pronounce that represents the sacred tree of both houses. Its heaviness slightly impedes stamina regeneration. So this tells us two things: one, Vinland is apparently a place, even though it's used as a surname by the characters; and two, that there's apparently two houses. One house of which will never get expanded upon, and that's because it doesn't exist. <laughs> so. So, here's how you can read uh, why the localization went here and how you can read it two ways. So, you can read that it's the dark silver helmet that's imparted in Vinland, so it's like handed down in Vinland the place, or it's dark silver helmet that's imparted to Vinland, and you could say, well, Vinland a person, or to Vinlands, as in there's multiple Vinlands because it's a surname. So, it's like, okay, well, that's like three different ways you can read it. Um, And they're all valid. So... How is it that we can kind of... So how are we supposed to make it more obvious? Well, well, one of the reasons is that some of them... It's obvious, it becomes more obvious that it's about a family, it's about a family and not a place because when we go into more detail with other items and things, it sort of becomes more and more clear that, yeah, this is not a place, this is sort of a family called, well, the Vinlands. And so I ended up translating it as dark silver helmet that's imparted to Vinlands. It's handed down to the, through the family. And one, another reason why this is notable is that, um, it's not that there are it's a sacred tree of both houses. The idea is that it's the it's a symbol of the same family's spirit tree. So it's very obvious that it's supposed to be a family. Now I don't know why this got confused in localization. I I can't go into their heads, but it's it's a kind of a weird weird mistake that that kind of happened because it's very obvious that this is handed down to Vinlands and that same family symbol that it's handed down through is a a, a god tree spirit tree basically i don't know maybe god like cried and like it became a, a sprout sprout or something but it, the idea is that this is a tree that's associated with the divine um and that's sort of why it's it's important it's become sort of their symbol and why they seem right. to have such a big um history with like sort of religious iconography and things like that um and sort of so the entire idea is that that vinland like demon soul seems to ha- unlike dark souls demon soul seems to have this habit where things are just sort of regions Like, beyond the areas we explore, nothing is named. So it's like, like I mentioned before with Ostrava, it's the southern regions south of Boletaria. It's not part of Boletaria. So it's like sort of just this vague, advanced region south of it. Then you have sort of the giants that are to the north. Well, are there more giant countries? Is it like one big giant country? We don't know. Then you have sort of the vague east, which is just Japan. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Satsuki and And France. And then you have the vague West, which is just... Wherever. Religious stuff. Everything else, yeah. Yeah, it's like religious Europe, everything. Yeah. So, like, we're sort of given this idea that, unlike in Dark Souls, it's not like there's Karim and there's Katarina and all these things. We're instead told there's these directions and they have these vague... These are their general cultural traits. Yeah,
1: because the... I can't remember if it's the intro or the monumental or both. They say, like, the Archstones hold together the land of Boletaria which makes it seem like everything involving the Archstones is one, quote-unquote, land. So it's, like, one place.
2: Yeah, I think that's the Monumental. Let me just
1: Yeah, check. yeah. So the assumption uh, that, like, I and a lot of people have been working from is that the whole game is set in a kingdom called Boletaria, and the Archstone of the Small King just refers to the palace at the centre of it. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it got confusing, because it's like, why does- Latria have a queen, then? Like, should it not, if it's just a... Because Latria is, at least in English, described as though it's just, like, the tower of Latria. Like, there's just a tower called Latria somewhere.
2: The way it's put is, it seems to be like, it. I'm not sure if it's just the tower, and again, I, I, I for those who don't know, I haven't Played the games myself. I've seen playthroughs. I've watched a bit, a lot on on it, but I haven't played it myself and I haven't explored it. So I don't know if there's like a a city in the background or something in the Tower of Luxia area. Forgive me. Okay, so it's basically just a prison. So, it might be that that is supposed to be the whole country, and it's like, it's just like, I don't know, you go lower in the tower, maybe that's where everyone lives, but um, from what I understand, it seems like they're all their own countries. Like, it seems like Boletaria's influenced certain areas, like, it seems like, because you see a city in the distance of Stonefang, and you're just exploring a mine in that country.
1: Yeah, and like, you can see a a village from the Boletarian Palace that you never go to. Yeah.
2: So it's it, it so it seems like these country so it seems like like these are their own countries and like Boletaria possibly after gaining Solarts Boletaria like invaded Stonefang or something and they've taken over the mine or maybe the whole country because we never explore the city, we don't know what its state is. Right. Yeah. Um uh and I don't know if th- I don't know if they is there any bulletarian enemies in Latria? I can't I don't well, think.
1: The thing is that there's the evangelists that serve not the evangelists, the, the oh. fat ministers. Ah. Right and- they, they, they like Alant. Um, call them call them the evangelists because the evangelists yeah. in Dark Souls Three are right. a very intentional reference. They're like the king. They talk about like when Alant first began to go crazy from Soul Arts. These um, the fat. They Just call them the fat, the fat officials.
2: Yeah, and they're I think I've, I think the Japanese is like ministers, and it's basically the same generic idea. So it's like they're just like government workers.
1: They are in. They're in Stonefang, and they're in, um, they're in some other area where they're like they sort of represent the reach of Alant. hmm but you don't find them in the valley, the shrine or yeah yeah they're just they're just in um they're in Boataria and Stonefang
2: It's possible that like maybe it's become a vassal or he's tried to conquer it recently or something like that, maybe
1: well, the thing about Stonefang is that it's just a mine. So I assumed that Stonefang Tunnel was just a mine in Boletaria. But then at the same time, it's got, like, it's called the Archstone of the Burrowing King.
2: Yeah, and it's mentioned yeah. that Stonefang has, that there's the Burrowers, and that Stonefang is, like... It's mentioned as if Stonefang is a country and things like that. Yeah. And that so that's why I'm saying that I think the city is supposed to be, like, because everything in darks and everything in souls seems to be city states cuz maker forbid that Miyazaki create a country with with like three or more cities um yeah so um yeah so that 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 was my impression that I got and that it's separate countries and um as for the thing you mentioned with the monumental let's see so what i have here is um let's see we they control so like monumental control so the same thing with the soul arts The world was on the verge of destruction by the colorless fog and demons it produced. We somehow led the ancient beast to slumber. However, by then, many souls were lost, and most of the world was followed in the thick fog and vanished. In order to connect what little of the world remained, we entrusted six keystones to dwarf leaders. So for those that don't know, the word for dwarf here is the same as pygmies and things like that. Yeah, Um, little. The idea is basically small or lesser or... People and this time it seems like it's being used I think figuratively because yeah. then they go on to explain and one of the people one of the dwarf leaders they talk about is the giants. So I'm assuming like they're just trying to say like we were the supreme civilization, these are yeah. the lesser
1: people. And presumably that's why the Balatarian Archstone is called Archstone of the Small King.
2: Yeah, so the idea so here is the explanation he puts. He says um, to to the ambitious king of a small country, the king of the bur- the burrowers that go underground, the intelligent queen of the ivory tower, the chief of the wandering poor, the priest of the shadow men that worship death and storms, and the giants of the north. So, I, I guess the giants were like, I don't know, like an anarchy or something, because they don't have a specific yes. leader called out. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like just, it's like, to any specific giant, no, just the giants. <laughs> so it's a bit vague on what they mean when they say connect the world because it's like they gave it to these countries it's like and then obviously though there's lots of the world so like does the world like regrow itself after you reconnect it or something like it's never clarified but it seems to be all within the same area because it's all consumed by the fog while the other places are like we're just slowly waiting to for our inevitable annihilation (laughs) it's like sins just in the background (laughs) (laughs) Aw. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that uh, we who entrusted the key men see- uh, s- uh, who entrusted the keystones sealed the slumbering beast in this linchpin forbade the soul arts and became human sacrifices for recovering the diffused world as keymen ourselves so it seems so from based on that line it sounds like maybe they've been trying to restore the world like they've been sort of holding it together through the linchpin and then they've kind of tried to restore everything from that point onward yeah and sort of Maybe that's what's going on there. So like we have all the like maybe the north like maybe the the I guess more like the east, the west and the south, and maybe further north than the giants, like stuff has been being recreated or reborn in order to um through the, the monumentals sort of sacrificing I guess their 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 life energy, maybe their souls. I don't know how it how how it works specifically. Yeah, and they then- like
1: um Oh, so you haven't played it, but you've seen the monumentals, right?
2: Yes. so like it's yeah like they like
1: um they're like meditating monks
2: yeah and they're, yeah. they're they're depicted as like small child so a lot of characters like to call them like in the Japanese yeah. version is at least they like to call them like brats or, or, or things yeah. like that in reference to like their the way they look um
0: do you know what those monumentals remind me of go on what <laughs> <laughs> do you know that movie with Eddie Murphy
1: the golden Child.
0: yeah I remember one part from that movie that always made me really, really anxious as a child where he has to, like... He has a glass of water and then he has to walk on these things but he can't, like, spill it. Mm-hmm. Every single time. I swear to God, I was like, oh my God, don't spill it. Yeah, that's it. Go on.
1: <laughs> the contribution to the topic. I yeah. just had to say something so people remembered I was here.
0: Aww. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you see... <laughs> Richie, the true bully of the podcast.
2: <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, let's see, Richie 1, Sin 50. I'll, 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 I'm keeping score. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Richard, 1 is wh- more than 50. Well,
1: uh, yeah, it's It's closer to equal when you factor in stuff we say when we're not recording.
0: Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. At least Richie's an honest bully.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know that was a, that was some really self-evasing stuff you just said about yourself
0: <laughs> I know I know we have new people watching the podcast because whenever somebody makes a comment like oh my god this is so mean poor Richard help him like oh you're new
2: you're so sweet <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from there so, um, so we've talked about a bit about the valley. So one last thing about the valley, I think I want to mention is that an interesting little detail that was also left out was that well, there's one thing where um I think they just say like vague creatures in one of the archstones, but they're actually specific about the enemies in the Japanese version, and they're the actual right. enemies you'll find. Like I think so there's like some sea creatures or something like there that you you can fight or or whatever. And then another thing is that the tree thing that like is like there's this giant like mess and tangle of brambles and tree-like branches that Astraya sits in, um, when you go and see her. Yeah. And that's actually described as a temple in the Japanese thing. Like, this is kind of, like, their temple for her. That oh, yeah,
1: because they talk about there being an abandoned shrine in the valley. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it's weird, because that is on the Dirty Colossus archstone.
2: Yeah. So the idea so was we that were, this were is a sort bit of the like,
1: temple. Yeah, but, because it's on the Dirty Colossus archstone, we were like, we don't know what the Dirty Colossus is is the dirty colossus meant to be like a shrine that came to life because it's basically just a giant hunk of wood
2: yeah i'm pretty sure that most of the bosses that are just meant to represent like stuff is shitty down here
1: yeah they they don't really have yeah
2: it's like yeah there's not really a lot it's kind of like the the spider thing it's like it's it's just it's it's local it's local (laughs) that's it yeah you know just random underground spiders with like metal claws that's normal